welcome to the Retro Blood. Welcome back, everybody, to the Retro Blood. As we continue our February month, talking all about 1980s vampires. Up next, if you like 80s goth, if you like supposedly living or being with somebody forever, they said that like multiple times, if you like a vampire countess girl seducing you to turn into a vampire and live with her forever, but forever not really being forever because it's only like maybe a couple centuries, then this is the review for you, brother, because the Retro Blood is talking all about the hunger gothing it up here today on the retro blood jay allison james klein how you feeling allison have you been seduced by a old school vampire uh, that told you you're gonna live and love her forever has that happened to you Man, recently there's that's the only kind of vampires there are old school vampires true um I, you know uh i can't say that i was necessarily seduced by this but uh I'm kind of uh, kind of interested though in a way. Yeah, I me too. It's like you know what? I think I might have jumped on board. You know, just to see what it's like. You know, you know, you, you, you get to you get to live longer than like you know a certain age. You know, what I mean, it seemed like a uh, mm-hmm. you know the 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 John character Bowie and stuff. He was uh, he seemed like he lived a, a pretty full life and then he turned old. But it seemed like he got a little tricked. So it's pretty interesting. This movie is actually really interesting. And, uh, yeah, it's very, you know, this, you know, this movie seemed like, you know, to to say a little quick thoughts about it before we get into the full thing, this, this, this like movie reminded me of like a, like a very long, uh, Sisters of Mercy music video. Well, yeah, I could see why you would, would think that it was, I thought that it was basically like a goth music video the entire time. Yeah. (laughs) It's crazy. Like, I'm pretty sure you could play this whole movie. At like a goth club, and it would go with like the whole soundtrack. Oh yeah, you could. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised. That, I would be surprised if that hasn't happened. Yeah, it, it had to happen. Like if, yeah, like they played it on the on a video screen behind uh, yeah. whatever like shitty DJ they had. Listen, man, I'm actually a big fan <laughs> of goth and '80s goth. All right. Okay. So I love this movie. I thought it was fucking fantastic. And oh, okay. I even got a show. Uh, uh, what's her name? I was mad. So I just got to show uh, Bethany's movie too because she'll probably like it as well. Um, but it's it, it's actually pretty neat. It's like pretty. It's it's a very unique movie for the time, and I actually thought it was pretty well well done, well shot, and everything. And I actually thought the story of it was actually pretty interesting too, especially for a vampire story. I mean, we you know we usually don't have a lot of like vampire stories that have like a female lead. Of being like the True. the uh, the main antagonist throughout the movie, and I thought that was pretty cool on there too. Um, but yeah, I did like this the soundtrack to it. Uh, you know, seeing I I don't think I've ever seen like David Bowie like act anything besides the the labyrinth. That's the only thing I rem- remember him in. Yeah, this was uh, maybe not. I was gonna say this might be his first movie, but no, I think it wasn't he did his the first. man who fell to earth first. Yeah, yeah, he did. Uh, he did some other stuff before this. Um, this was even his first movie in 1983. 
Um, but yeah, really? he did. Yeah, so he did. Yeah, I mean, he did some acting in the the sixties and seventies. You know, like in television shows and stuff like that. But in nineteen eighty three, I believe he did. Mm-hmm. Let me see. We did. We did this. Actually, this might. Have, yeah, he did this movie, and then he did this Merry Christmas, Mister Lawrence movie. Okay. And then he did some sort of like, it was like the seed in the in the sower, where it was some it was some sort of like prisoner Japanese camp movie, all right? And then he did like this like a very small role in this movie called Yellow Breed. So he so he 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 did some uh, you know you know not a whole lot of stuff in 1983, but he was on there in 1983. But you know this was his only like uh, I guess horror movie. He was ever in, you know, everything else is a bit more like tame compared to this, uh, you know, in 1983, of course. Yeah. Okay. That's what you're saying. So yeah. like, you know, when you look at his filmography, like all these roles are very, very small. Yeah. Up until he did the hunger, the hunger. Well, actually that's not true. The man of felt earth. He starred in that, but other than that, he was, uh, all his roles were like very, very small, small roles. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I don't know. Like, I what you ain't goth I there, just, Allison? Come on now, you ain't artsy. You know that you brought you brought us oh, to yeah. the fucking uh, uh, Salvador Dali Museum. I mean, I'm pretty sure everybody yeah. in that fucking museum loved this movie. Yeah, maybe I don't know. I mean, I didn't hate it. It's all right. I mean, I I'd seen it once before. Um. I don't know. I, I maybe by the end of the show, I'll be able to put on my put my finger on why I didn't love it. I'll turn it around on it. All right, turn you know me I mean? around. It just seemed like 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 much ado about nothing. Like it was just like ninety seven minutes and a story that could be told in about twenty minutes. Eh, maybe, but you know what? We got to have some cool scenery shots, and we got to have shots of the uh, of the countess smoking in different areas of the house. I mean, that's a must. Yeah. I mean, come on now. There's a lot of smoking in this movie. What color? Well, I mean, it is it is a goth movie, so yeah, in 1983, yeah. brother. All right, mm-hmm. vampires. But I actually thought it was cool. But we'll, we'll get on to it though. But just like every retro blood, let is let's talk about what was happening in the world of the pro wrestling and the metal music. Uh, the, you know, the reason we do this is is, is pretty simple. You know, we're we're kind of like vampires ourselves on this podcast. Yeah. You know what I mean? We don't, we don't, we don't only just bite you. Okay. You got to suck our blood too. You know what I mean? Yeah. So by sucking our blood, we're going to give you some facts about pro wrestling and metal. See, it makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, so this movie came out April 23rd, 1983. All right. So this is, a, I always like this, like, you know, early eighties era. You know what I mean? Like I always have fun when we mm-hmm. can like talk about movies from like the right before like 1985 you know what i mean right yes you know what i mean because like they're just we talked about this many 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 times but you know they're just shot different they're just done a little different you know i feel like i feel like there was a little bit more i'm gonna say like super creativity because we did get some good shit in like 1987 1988 but it's just like the filmmaking was just like just just different Speaking of different, uh, Allison, did you know that uh, Hulkamania wasn't established in 1984? It was actually 
established way sooner than that. Okay? Because the first thing we have to talk about is the AWA Super Show. Mm-hmm. All right. It was a AWA Super Sunday show. Um, it was from the uh, the, the AWA promotion, uh, you know, run by Vern Gagne, which we talked about many times here on the podcast. Actually, one of my favorite promotions. Because uh, every time I watch it, like AWA, like, I, I don't know about you, but like, it reminds me of like, just like a different version of the WWF. Because like, they look like, to me, they stole the most stars from the AWA, Vincent Mann did, than like any other promotion. Well, yeah, I was going to say, well, no wonder it looks like the uh, the uh, WWF because it the, the WWF stole almost all their stuff directly from uh, AWA. I yeah. mean, the only, the only, I mean, they didn't get Bachman gold, but they got everybody else from this, uh, Oh yeah, you know, from the main event of this show. And I think the biggest... Like in a year. Yeah, exactly. Like, I think the biggest thing that stands out is because they got uh, Mean Gene Okerlund and Bobby the Brain Hinnian. Because, you know, those guys, you know, were always on the show. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So, like, they were always, like, right when they jumped ship to the WWF, I mean, they were on, like, every show. You know what I mean? So, I think they're the ones that stand out the most to me uh, mm-hmm. from the AWA um, but this, we, we've, we talked about the, uh, the Hulkamania rise before, uh, on this podcast before of like, you know, how Hulkamania started out, you know, he was in the, uh, the Rocky three movie. Um, you know, he got fired from, uh, Vincent Mann senior and he started working for Vern Gagne and at first he started off as a heel, but then everybody started noticing like, you know, we really like this guy, you know, his big jacked up dude, a lot of personality just had that if factor and, you know, one day they just, you know, they saw, they just made him a baby face and it just kind of blew up from here. And it all kind of like worked out where it was doing this match. And this match was a, um, you know, it was Hulk Hogan versus Nick Bockwinkle for the AWA championship. And this is like, a, this match was like pretty crazy. It was like huge. Like, I mean, like just the crowd, you know, loving Hogan, backing Hogan. Like they really wanted him to win this belt tonight yeah yeah for sure and it and was, uh no. it was pretty cool having him come out with like entrance music too you know what i mean i was gonna ask you about that yeah. so is that in actual entrance music that he came out to you no. think or did the wwe stick that in they stick to the network they sticked it into the network um i believe okay. i believe he came out to eye of the tiger but i could be wrong that's what I was gonna think because yeah. until they until the WWF wrote, um, "I'm a real American." Yeah, he came out to Island Tiger. Yes, um, but yeah, because we had just um, actually um, um, recently in January we recently celebrated the 40th anniversary of Hulkamania. But like as you mentioned, Hulkamania actually started in the AWA yes. in 1980. Well, you know they have all these branded T-shirts, which I did buy one because we also went mm-hmm. to Hogan's beach shop which is super cool yes anybody's in the Clearwater mm-hmm. area or the orlando area definitely check it out like if you want to see some old school like wrestling memory i was actually you know like speaking of that like i was actually surprised about how much stuff he had like did he was that from his like how did he get all that stuff is that from his personal collection you mean the stuff that he had hanging on the wall yeah yeah those are just t- t- titles that he has 
Yeah. Well, I think a lot of them are replicates. Well, even but, like the um, signed posters and all those. No, that's all know. from his personal collection. Yes. Yeah. Like um, he even had for like the people the- who don't know. Yeah, go ahead. As I say, for the people who don't know, we went down to Clearwater for the uh, Royal Rumble, um, and uh, we spent a couple. We spent a, a little bit of time in Hogan's shop. But yeah, like, <coughs> yeah, like that um, um, Rocky Three poster that was signed that says to Terry. Um, that you know that I'm sure that that's from his personal collection. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know all that stuff on the wall, and then obviously the belt that he took from Jarrett was uh, uh. In, the, in his personal collection. Um, I was just astounded at the amount of uh, merchandise he had. Oh, yeah. There's a shit ton. For sale. Like, just every single Hulk Hogan item you could possibly think of, yeah. you could buy. They, like, I mean, I don't even know how he could think of that, that many shirt designs. The only shirt we were missing was a shirt from this this match. Yeah, there should be an AWA Bockwinkle versus Hogan match. Well, uh, our shirt, the, the shirt he was wearing out to the ring, though. Did you see what it said? It was As like, we want the belt. Yeah, we want the belt. Now, That's awesome. Bro, I, <laughs> if if I would have watched the match and went down there, if I saw that shirt, I would have fucking bought that in a second. Oh, God. Yeah. Yeah, you know definitely. I mean? Definitely. And it was like it was like those 1980 shirts that had like the letter, the puffy letters that you stick on. Yeah. If they'd had that. Yeah, I would totally have bought that. I'm like, and he we did. He did belt. have the. Um, he did. I, I. I'm pretty sure he had like a tank top, that was like you know the. Uh, uh, it said American. Either real. I don't think it was real American, but it said like American. I think that was from his AWA collection. But yeah, I think it said American made. Or yeah, something American like that. made. Yeah. So, but yeah, it's pretty cool. Like seeing, like I like, I like the. Uh, the older Hulk Hogan stuff, you know what I mean? Like I like the, I was like on the lookout for the Hulk real shirt. I saw there there was one like hanging up that was like a used one yeah. that you could buy. I don't think I buy no used one. They yeah, were the signing and shit. <laughs> I just wanted like fucking just why can't you give me the Hulk rules? It's probably because they got that trademarked or something. I'm get, I'm thinking. Yeah, um, maybe. But I was, but I I don't see why he couldn't have done more of his uh, AWA run run shirts and stuff. Um, that, that, that's, that's actually pretty, probably a, a good idea for him to do later. But, um, you know, if, if you all watch this match, you know, there's a big difference between like Hulk Hogan, AWA, Hulk Hogan, Japan, and then Hulk oh, Hogan, yeah. WWF. There's like a, yeah. he's like the same guy personality kind of wise, but in the ring, it's like way different. <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. Well, he's also not in this match. What I noticed, he, he wasn't as over the top. Like, hmm. you know, like Hogan and WWF, you know, he's coming out and he's going to beat everybody. And this one, you know, you kind of got the feeling he was kind of the underdog. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he, he, uh, when I was watching it and it was part of it was like Hogan with the sleeper. And I'm like, what? Yeah. Like Hogan doing a hold. Yeah. Like he would never see that again after that year. Yeah. In America anyway. Oh yeah. Like it's like almost, I don't want to say like right away, but like, you know, right after he won the belt from the Iron Sheik, you know, you could tell that he his wrestling style was going to be more like animated, you know, more cartoonish. Yeah, yeah. But that's what they were going anyway. I mean, that's it's just crazy to see like, like this is like this is like only like what is this like? Uh, he de- he debuted for for uh, in 1984. Like I think he was like he came in like early 1984 to the WWF. Well, that isn't an Iron Sheik match in January of '84. Yeah, January. That's when Hulkamania started. So he must have come in in late 83 or early 80, very, very early 84. Yeah. 
um, because the Sheik had the title so they could transition it to Hogan. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's what it was. And remember, remember there's that that story that Vern Gagne was like, "Hey, Iron Sheik, uh, you know, I'll pay you some oh, amount of money to break his leg." Yeah. And he's like, "I ain't gonna do all that." Let me see. When did Hulk Hogan yeah. when did he join the WWF? So while you're looking that up, let me ask you a question. Why do you think that the WWF didn't sign Nick Bockwinkle because of his age? No, I think Nick Bockwinkle he was um he was just too loyal to Vern Gagne. Mm-hmm. And you know it could you know I, I could see the age factor too because he was like a little I mean he would have been wrestler. fifty yeah so like Vern Gagne is forty nine in this match yeah so well first of all so uh, so Hongo he he did debuted in December nineteen eighty three okay so, so we're yeah. in April yeah. so it's really you know we're, we're cutting it close with him uh, coming to the F um. But yeah, my understanding was, you know, Vern Gagne, he, he's just very loyal. No, no, uh, Nick Bakwa, sorry. He was very loyal to Vern Gagne, mm-hmm. so that's why he stayed. And he pretty much, like, finished out most of his career there, too, because, you know, uh, he didn't really, like, wrestle. Outside of the AWA, he didn't really wrestle that much. Like, he would make appearances for, like, WCW and stuff like that, but he didn't really do a whole lot of wrestling outside of that. Uh, but I think it was just a loyalty... Um, I'm thinking, I don't think he dated anybody within Vern. I think that was, um, that was Larry Zabisco, I believe, who dated somebody within the family. Um, I could get, I could get in the Ganya family. I think so. But I know Vern Ganya mm-hmm. dated somebody yeah. and that's why they put the belt on him eventually. But, uh, the big thing, you know, the big matches after this with Nick Bockewickle would be the, uh, the matches he, he would have with, uh, Kurt Henning. Uh, Mr. Perfect, uh, that'd be like some of his next few stuff. And that's, you know, right when Hogan left and all of them left and stuff, you know, the AW was still in business for a while. And that's when they would mix up and do those super shows that we talk about here yeah. and there on the podcast. But uh, it's it's kind of cool, though, to see, like, I mean, the, the true building blocks of Hulkamania started in 1983. All right. And yes, you can kind of see it. You can kind of see it from this match. I mean, this crowd was going nuts for this guy. I mean, like, I think the WWF, you know, they they obviously brought it to a bigger platform, but the the seeds were already planted, brother. Okay, there. True, there. absolutely. And and according to this, I was gonna say, according to this, Bachwinkle wrestled his final match for the AWA in 1987. Yeah. And then the next year, or in late that year, he was hired as a road agent by the by the World Wrestling Federation. Oh, okay. So yeah, so he's just so he did go to work for them. He just wasn't a wrestler. Yeah. Okay, that makes sense because I don't remember ever seeing him doing any matches on there. But I could see him like if he was retired and you know there's no more AWA, I could see him doing you know like I know he did like special appearances for WCW in the '90s, uh, but I didn't realize he was actually a road agent. But that that makes a lot of sense. Um, but this match was pretty good, you know, back and forth. Uh, the big thing is uh, the commentary guy was pretty funny on there. I like the one line. He's, yeah. he, he's, he, 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 uh, check this one out, Allison. Did, uh, tell me if this sounds like a promoter. He's all like, yeah, I mean, uh, the Nick Bockwinkle, you know, forced Hulk Hogan to, to wrestle this final match for the world belt. And he actually made Hulk Hogan pay. You know, that's why we had to jack up the ticket prices for everybody. That's why the p- ticket <laughs> prices were so much because of this Nick Bockwinkle making Hulk Hogan, you know, pay for this match. I'm like, bro, 
that would not work today at all. Like, just imagine. Like, That's, yeah, we're jack- that's you had to pay more. Yeah, we're jacking up the price for WrestleMania, everybody, because Roman Reigns has to force Cody Rhodes to, to, to put a purse <laughs> down to fight his ass. Okay? <laughs> I was like, why would that make the, the why would that make the ticket price go up anyway? I mean, it's Cody Rhodes' money or Hulk Hogan's money. Why does that make the ticket? Price well, you know, go bec- up? I don't know. Like, I guess it has to. <laughs> <laughs> and like, why is he telling the people at home? Like, you know what I mean? The like, people that didn't go, the people, that, yeah, didn't the people go. that didn't go to the show. Yeah, like unless like the the commentary guy was like over the loudspeaker. Like, you know, fucking Joe in the front row is going to be like, man, this ticket price is kind of high. I wonder why. And then he watches the show back. Oh, yeah, because of that oh, fucking yeah. Bach welcome. Damn it, him. Like, make it Hulk Hogan like, pay for the was match. the heel, so they could have, yeah, they could have just announced that and then made everybody yeah. boo Bockwinkle because it made the ticket prices go up. Yeah. So that, that was giving me a, a good chuckle uh, for, from the match. Um, and, you know, you could just, you, you could tell, like, you know, you could tell, like, this there's an after guy, too. He was just like pumping up Hogan, like, you know, this is a crowd favorite, and you know, look at him go. And he's, he, he, you know, this crowd loves him, like, the, you know, these people were like dying for him to win the belt. And they uh, also to the referee, what was his sir or something? It was kind of a weird name, yeah. So that guy is, um, I looked him up a little bit, he is a wrestler I've never heard of. Um, I mean, he's really before my time. I mean, he was born in 1923, but he was he's an English um, wrestler named Lord Bleers, Lord yes. James Bleers. Lord Be- yeah, okay. uh, he was also a surfer as well. I wonder and if he's, he was. Uh, in the- I wonder if he uh, he hangs out with our vampire crew on this goth movie we watched. Uh, maybe, maybe, but he didn't live forever. He died at nine in, at 92 years of age in March of 2016. Well, there you go. I mean, shit. 92, man. Um, but, yeah. Because, yeah, I mean, think about that. That's crazy, though. I mean, because, like, this is 1983. Yeah. So, the guy was uh, 60 years old when this match happened. And he lived until 2016. Wow. Damn. Hey, man. He must I mean, I'm pretty sure there's an interview about him around there talking about wrestling oh, sure. stuff. But it been pretty good stuff. Um, this whole, there's a whole like match and event. We only watched this match on here, the Hulk Hogan match. Um, because this event was like mm-hmm. almost like three hours. I just not, did not have the time to watch the whole thing. No, I only watched the Hogan match myself. And like, like, listen, I mean, this is 1983. I mean, I could barely see j- this match. Okay. Like the, the quality of this is like way different. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, there there were no lights. No lights. There was just like man, no. <laughs> like we got one. It was spotlight. like the lights we saw at the GCW show. <laughs> exactly. It was just like two two little round lights. Was, this that, one was even worse, it. bro. I'm pretty sure there was smoke in the building and shit. Like, come on. But this was uh, absolutely this 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 ma- whole Sunday thing. So so the movie came out on April 23rd. This match happened on April 24th on a Sunday. And it was held at yeah. the St. Paul Civic Center in St. Paul, Minnesota, which is a big wrestling uh, town. It's, of course, you know, AWA is known for their big Minnesota uh, uh, wrestling out there. Uh, but like I said, this match is pretty good. I mean, I've always loved Nick Bockwinkle. He's been one of my favorite wrestlers. He's more on the technical side. Like, he is like, mm-hmm. he's kind of like, you know, a Zack Sabre Jr., Daniel Bryan style wrestler. Um, 
Yeah. I always thought he was just really good. It was really cool to see him against Hulk Hogan. I thought they did pretty well together. Uh, the big thing about this match was, I guess, Hulk like threw him over the top rope. And that, that's when they had that like gimmick where you can't throw people over the top rope. Like, I always thought, I always, it was too dangerous. Yeah, I always thought this was so stupid. Okay. But, you know, they used it. They basically used it for like a booking crutch. Um, yeah, so which then, is what they used it for here. Yeah, which which I actually liked the finish of this. Well, well, besides the swerve, but it was Hulk Hogan. He gives him a suplex. It's not a suplex, there, Allison. It's a suplex. Suplex. All right. He gave him the like. Su- uh, what's her name says? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Tony Storm. But that the, the commentary guy yeah, the said suplex. it too. He he said, "Oh, he's gonna give him a suplex." Did he really? He did I didn't say that. that. He did say it. <laughs> I was like, I knew that. I knew it. Play. So he gives him the suplex. Wow. Okay. Uh, from the from the uh, from the apron inside the ring, and then he drops the leg. I kind of like that a little better than the the big big boot. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's more interesting. Right? We've seen yeah. the big boot a million times. Yeah, because it, like it's like you do a suplex, and then you go straight up, and then you do the fucking big boot, and then he pins him, wins the world belt. Everybody's going crazy. And then we do a dusty finish on this ass. And it says, oh, you threw him on the top rope so he didn't win the belt. And then Hulk Hogan, he's so pissed that he just keeps the belt. He never gives it back. Right. And then we try to interview he- him a little bit. And he just doesn't do it. He's just so mad that he didn't win the belt. He's like, this is my belt. Well, I won the belt for all of you. Won the belt for everybody. This is our belt. I think that's what yes, he said. That's We want the belt. And yeah. we had the belt, but we were cheated out of it. Um, although technically we weren't because we broke the rule. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so Hogan beats him, but then it, it's reversed by Lord Blears because he threw uh, Nick Backwinkle over the top rope. And to be honest with you, you know, this match is a little legendary too, because I mean, it shows that this promotion, like they didn't want to go all the way with Hulk Hogan. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah I mean, like, it, it, I mean, I think they were maybe trying to set up like a rematch, but like he never wins the AWA belt at all. Like they don't, it's a, they, there's something about him. They, they couldn't trust him. And of course the biggest thing was the reason the Hulk Hogan left wasn't, you know, necessarily winning the belt. I mean, that was probably like one of the, the, the circumstances, but the biggest thing was Vern wasn't paying Hulk Hogan uh, for the merchandise money. Right. And, you know, he wasn't paying for that, what he's worth and everything. And, you know, Vern was just like, you know, I, I don't really need you. You know, we can do fine without you. And boy, was that a fucking mistake. Okay. Yeah. I mean, the biggest <laughs> superstar of all time, yeah. probably. Um, you know, the biggest, the two biggest wrestlers I think of all time are either Hulk, or Hulk Hogan and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Yeah. Um, I think Stone Cold is even bigger than The Rock. But um Yeah, and wrestling. But you know, yes. it's and wrestling for sure. Um but yeah, I mean like so he just basically decided he didn't need the the a person that in not even a year would become the large the biggest wrestler in the world. Yeah. The most famous wrestler that ever lived in nineteen eighty four for yeah, sure. Yeah, and like the craziest thing about it is like I mean, just watch this match. I mean, yeah. these people were like, they're first of all, they're, we already got told that they're paying extra money to be at yeah, the show to see, exactly. to see. I mean, 
there's only so much like you know there's almost so much stuff you could do to screw the baby face and have him keep on coming back you know what i mean right like there comes a point where you just gotta let the guy run with it and that's what vince mcmahon jr did compared to Vern Gagne. Vern Gagne would never give this guy his, his, his just due, even though he had it in his fucking palm of his hand. So. Right. Yeah, I mean, because he had to have control. Yeah. That's a territory. That's what the territory was, was like. Yeah. You just kept control of your territory, and your territory was more important than the wrestlers that were in it. But Vern, well, not just Vern, but none of them really could see where the was going to go. I mean, I, mean, I don't know, that, man. Right? I don't I mean, know, man. Like, did you see this crowd? Like, I mean, he. Oh they, well, yeah, but they were going wild for this guy. They, you know what I mean? Like, there's certain parts where you can kind of see it, you know, before it, it kind of blew up a little bit. But you know, obviously the the heights it went to. I, I mean, you know, going on like talk shows, the stuff was probably out of their grasp. Um, but you know, you know what? A, you know what? A question I kind of want to ask is like, you know, even though uh, we will never be able to ask. The, the man himself because of all the uh, craziness with him right now. But I was, yeah. I was wanting to ask like, like Hulk or, you know, Vince like, you know, how, how, how did Vince like d- discover Hulk Hogan? Like, like how did he know about him? Like, how did he, did he watch the AWA and see this guy get over it? But like, that's my guy. Like, how did he know that Hulk Hogan was the guy compared to all the territories he was going to and all the talent he brought up? Why did he pick like Hulk Hogan exactly to be the man i kind of so i think i think there's a couple of different things going on there so one he knew hulk hogan because hogan had worked for his dad yeah remember and he got fired because he wanted to do rocky three yeah yeah but he was like a good well yeah but as far but he wasn't a heel at this point he was clearly a face when he's facing bockwinkle yeah but i also i think that I think a lot of it was luck. Like, like, like we think it's sheer genius on Vince McMahon's part because it worked. You know what I mean? Like, like I don't know that Vince knew that he would be the biggest wrestler in the world. I think that he knew that he could make money with Hulk Hogan. And he knew that he could get Hulk Hogan because Hulk Hogan was being screwed over by Vern. Yeah. And I'm sure he knew that. And Hogan was big. He was a big guy. But you're not going to like, okay, so like his guy could have been Ric Flair, but Ric Flair is not Hulk Hogan, not not on paper. You know what I mean? He doesn't look like Hulk Hogan. He, he doesn't. He's not. Hulk Hogan looks like a cartoon character. Yeah, that makes sense. And, and that's why I'm pretty sure that's that's the vision Vince had was that I want this to be. He probably didn't think I want it to be like a cartoon, but he's like, I wanted it. I want it to be very animated and very dynamic. And this Hogan guy is perfect for that. Um, Because you're right. I mean, Hogan is not the most like, you know, like he's he was going bald. He was already 30. Um, You know, I believe he turned 30 right before he debuted for Vince. So it's not like he was young. And in those days, wrestlers were thinking about retiring at 35. Bachwickle must have been considered ancient at almost 50. Yeah. Yeah. so, you know what I mean? So, like, um, so it is strange that you would pick him and not, like, um, I mean, I'm trying to think of somebody else he could have picked. Uh, like, um, well, let's say Kerry Von Erich, but he would never have gotten to Von Erich because 
you know, they were all ingrained in their family business. Yeah. Um, but like, you know, Kerry Von Eric could have been that in that spot as well if he was able to get him. But Hogan was just somebody that would do it. He would sign, you know, he would sign the contract. He, uh, you know, would, uh, was ready to go. So I'm pretty sure that it was just like a lightning in the bottle kind of thing. Like he just happened to capture that moment, that zeitgeist right then. And then, and it worked and it just exploded and people loved it. Um, it may not have worked had it not been for MTV though, which, you know, I don't, I don't know if we've ever talked about that before, but that rock and wrestling thing with Cindy Lauper and all that kind of thing, that stuff that really got them over to a, to a mass audience for sure. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. But yeah, it's just a very fun, um, fun little piece of history right here of like seeing like the rise of what Hulkamania would become, uh, just not even a couple months. You know what I mean? And a, a totally new promotion for him. Um, but let's uh, let's switch on over to the uh, to the metal music. Um, so yeah. I got I got I know you got something. I got something too. Uh, both of them both were in this the hunger. All right. Yep. Uh, Neither one of them are really metal, but we're gonna talk. We're gonna talk about something different. Well, you know, yes, you're right. They're not like you know thrash or nothing like that. But you know what? You know they're kind of jammy. You know what I mean? So let's talk about yours first because they they made like a little cameo at the beginning. Yeah, it's really weird, right? Like, yeah. <laughs> so at the very beginning of this uh, movie, uh, the band Bauhaus is playing Bella Lugosi's Dead. Yes. Which I guess they're supposed to be playing at that club they're at at the beginning. Yeah, the goth club, brother. The goth club, even though they're not using cool. microphones or anything. Oh, look great. Yeah. No, no, no. The gimmick was is he got paid to sing his song in a cage. Oh, right, right. Yes. Yeah, brother, come on. So um, if I, first of all, you wouldn't have gone to this club. I would have been. I would have been all over this place. I'm like, hell yeah, I would, brother. I would. I would go to any place that Bauhaus was playing. I mean, come on, this is what wild. Is and, you know, this is not the first. Uh, <laughs> this is this is also not the first time we have seen or heard Bauhaus in a in a movie that we reviewed. Do you, do you remember? That's the, true. Do you remember which movie but we I did? Can't, that had Bauhaus in it? No, I can't. <sighs> It was my one of my favorite podcasts of 2023. It was our Halloween episode, Night of the Demons, where our girl Angela was dancing oh, her right. dance. She danced the Bahas. So, all right. Yeah, true, true, true. So they're all over these horror movies, brother. I love it. But uh, but yeah, yeah it was kind of cool a great band. Him. Yeah, it was cool to see him in there doing. I love this opening scene. I thought this opening scene was like fucking awesome. I was like, bro, this is like a fucking yeah. 80s goth music video just the open scene so. yeah this was um i'm actually i had to actually research this because i thought that Bauhaus would have been broken up by 1983 but they did break up right after this oh, okay um so they were like near the end of their of their original run before they got back together in the 90s but um but yeah they were uh, bella goosey's dead was like their first single yeah so this song was was old by the time um, this movie came out, they, Bauhaus played their last show in July of 1983, and this movie came out in April. So, you know, three months later, they after this movie came out, they would break up. Which is crazy, um, man, because, you know, but, they, they probably got some little extra fame from the movie. Yeah, I'm sure they got paid well, and I'm sure they probably got a little bit more exposure from this. But, but yeah, they were like, they're probably not the first goth band, but they were like one of the first goth bands that I liked. Yeah. Um, you know, cause we've established that, I mean, I do like goth stuff to an extent, 
but a lot of times goths just kind of get on my nerves. Um, but, um, but Bauhaus, I mean, it's just, they're just a good band. I mean, they're like, they're heavy and they're also like really melodic. Um, it's, I don't know. It's hard to describe. They're very unique. There's yeah. not another band that's really like Bauhaus. They have like random it's, like it's, transitions yeah. into weird parts of their songs. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, you know, and then Bella Lugosi's dead is like 11 minutes of this one thing. <laughs> like everything you hear in that movie, that's what the entire song sounds like yeah. for like 11 minutes. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm a huge Bauhaus fan. Uh, Peter Murphy's solo stuff that he did after this was fantastic. Um, still doing good music. Um, then the other guys started a band called Love and Rockets, which was really good. Um, but yeah, I've seen Bauhaus several times. You ever have you ever been to a Bauhaus show at all? No, I never actually never been to their show, but it seems like it'd be pretty fun. Yeah, I saw them like in a fairly small venue when they first got back together. And then I saw them opening for Nine Inch Nails, in which they played um in August in in Charlotte in August in the middle of the day. Not in the middle of the day, but the sun was still out. So it was still daytime, which was really weird to see these goths playing in like you know, 98 degree weather. Yeah. Peter, Mur- or, uh, yeah, Peter Murphy came out wearing a fur coat. Yeah, Betty. And complaining about how hot it was. I'm like, dude, you're wearing a fucking fur coat. Did you ever hear that? Um, the Henry Rollins is like, yeah, man. If you ever see one of these, like, you know, goth bands or black metal bands out there and they're fucking playing their song in the middle of the heat outside, it looks like a bunch of guys having a barbecue. <laughs> 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 That's pretty accurate. But yeah, yeah. they were, uh, but yeah, Bauhaus is great. I've seen them several times. Um, but yeah, they play. They were playing uh, in this movie. They played "Bella Goes Dead," which was like their first single. So this song was fairly old, but it fits the movie, right? It did. It's yeah. About uh, vampires and Bella Lugosi was a vampire. Yeah. So the one yeah, I want to talk about is obviously the, our boy who played John. All right, was our David Bowie, and yes. I mean, come on, Absolutely. like David Bowie is probably the one of the most influential music person of all time i would say of all time yes um you know you know i never been like the huge i i I like david bowie for his art and like what he represents but his music has never been something that i've like listened to on the regular all right but Mm -hmm. it's not like it's bad you know what i mean it's more like that uh you know background like dance music i would say you know you can Mm -hmm. like okay well listen to i think i think you should listen to more david bowie um Especially early David Bowie. I think you would like that a lot better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think the album you're referring to is Let's Dance, which came out in 1983. Yes. Uh, well, it came out like a week before this, right? Yeah, like it came out April, a- yeah, April 14th. Yeah. So it came yeah, out. Yeah, this was like um, a low point. Although the album did very well. Um, but for Bowie's career, I would consider this a low point for Bowie. Like he had tried to reinvent himself again. And he hired Nile Rogers for Sheik to to uh, to uh, help him with his music and produce his album, and it was just basically like what I would consider like disco music. Like it just was like dance music for nineteen for the eighties. And um, he did get Stevie Ray Vaughan to play guitar on this album, I believe, which was you know not bad. But um, yeah, I mean, like, this is not my favorite era of Bowie. I don't think it's anybody's favorite era of Bowie, but um, he did um, he did get he did score a hit and was able to revitalize his career with this for sure. 
Yeah, what was it? La- la- uh, Let's Dance? Let's Dance was the, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> China Girl? The big, uh, uh, yeah, the song with, yeah. Um, yeah, Let's Dance is the single I was thinking of. That's the big hit. China Girl is a pretty big hit. Yeah. That he wrote with Iggy Pop. Um, this album is actually pretty good now that I think about it. Uh, Cat People is a good song. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, it's, <clears throat> it's not, uh, I have a I looking back on it, I like it better than I did when I first heard it, I guess. Yeah. It's not bad. It's cool. Like you could play it, you could tell that there's a lot of work that went into the music. Very very fun style. You can dance to it, you can listen to it. I'd say it's pretty uh pretty fun little album there. Um, you know, I, I knew David Bowie, like I liked his song that he did with uh, Trent Reznor. I'm afraid of Americans. Uh, I'm afraid of Americans, yeah. Yeah, I love that video, I love that music. I thought that was cool. So, like I said, like I know, like, I know a little bit about David Bowie, but I'm not, you know, I'm not like a a, a connoisseur of his. I'm not like, you know, I don't know every little detail about him, but I know he's very influential when it comes to music. <clears throat> and you know, it's really cool to see a guy who is so like famous in music. They also do like acting too. Like they're, it's kind of like, a, like I think he was like one of the first to kind of do that. You know, like he wasn't the first to do that, but he's one of the first sure. around this time to do, it. you know, obviously Elvis did that a lot too. Um, but he kind of like, you know, we see that a lot nowadays too, with a lot of, you know, very popular singers, you know, they have, they don't just do singing only, they actually do some acting too, you know, and some other things, which is always, you know, it's always cool to have like multiple, um, you know, you know more than just one jack of your trade you gotta have multiple things yeah and bowie would actually turn out to be a pretty good actor too oh yeah Uh, especially when he got a role that he was he was good at in this movie i don't know like i think he's doing what he's supposed to be doing but he's not very animated he's kind of just standing there well you know he did quote it he did quote like he he did say like it was very awkward (laughs) like filming this whole thing but he really liked working with the director on it yeah yeah and um he would go on not long after this uh not not many more years until he'd make labyrinth which you know i think he was great in that but that was perfectly suited for him though right yeah i mean that was like a little more up his alley alley. yeah yeah but yeah i mean pretty fun stuff so you know definitely a very influential you know star at this time like he's probably like a bona fide mm. star at this time being in this film too so that's pretty cool um but i said let's get into Absolutely. the who booked this shit brother yeah who booked this shit so we actually was directed by this guy named tony scott okay tony scott yes and i was surprised that this guy so this is like his this is actually his debut his his directing debut Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say you acted like you didn't know who Tony Scott was, but he's a very famous actor, a very famous director. Yes. And His second movie was Top Gun. Yeah, I thought I was gonna say. I was like, oh shit, this guy did Top Gun. He did Beverly Hills Cop. I mean, yep. two. En- Enemy of the he State. He did the sequel. Yeah. Oh yeah, the sequel. Yeah, sequel. Yeah, he did number mm. two. Days of Thunder, brother. I mean, come on. But yeah, I mean, just doing this and Top, Top Gun in a race car. It's crazy to think that this was his like debut, and then he would just go on to make Top Gun, like completely. Yeah, he made this different. (laughs) Yeah, he made this erotic vampire movie, and then he made Top Gun. Yeah, I mean, like this erotic horror. It's 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 placed as an erotic horror film. Yeah, and then like yeah, then we got Top Gun, brother. All right. 
I was like, okay. Like, the next, like three years later, yeah, yeah, he would make Top Gun. Um, but yeah, he's made a lot of really good movies. Um, you know, he he made True Romance, which I love. He made this movie called Revenge. It was fantastic. Um, but yeah, Tony Scott um, is a uh, quite the famous filmmaker, and this is his first movie. Yeah, I mean that's pretty pretty cool. So, you know, a couple of things about this film, you know, so it was a, a co-production between the United Kingdom and the United States, which is cool, which we've seen mm-hmm. a lot, you know, before of like, you know, different states working with each other. Um, and so this film is also loosely a- adapted from a 1981 novel of the same name by um, Whitney Stieber. And- Stieber, yeah, we've talked about him before. He wrote the, the novel that... Um- um uh Wolfen was based on. Yeah, Wolf. Oh, okay, that makes sense. So he wrote that and then he also wrote the book for this. So this is the second time Whitley Strieber's been on the Retro Blood. Yeah, you know what? You know, if you think about it, you know that this Wolfen and this movie are pretty similar. Like they're not like so super I thought similar. that too. I thought they are. Yeah. They 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 do share like common themes. Yeah, like they they do seem like there's yeah. We're like you know it's it's a little bit more deeper on yeah. these, you know because we haven't you know with like you know the wolf creature or like a vampire you know it's very old school you know universal monster stuff but like we're mm-hmm. we're kind of making it more into like a uh, more deeper meaning you know what I mean more a little bit more history behind it uh, right. So I th- you know that's cool. That's cool. Um so you know a uh, couple things. So there's so apparently there's a couple things on here. So the final scene of Sarah on the balcony was added at the studio's behest. All right. Mm-hmm. With the view to leave the film open ended and allowing for possible sequels. Okay? Yeah, instead of letting her die. Yeah, exactly. So she, so apparently the the girl who played Sarah. She later expressed like she regrets that that sequence seemed to make no sense in the context of the rest of the film, which it didn't. Like I was kind of like confused about that myself, because mm-hmm. you know we saw her like you know not to jump it. We jumped ahead on here all the time, so fuck it, I'm gonna do it. You know we saw her get stabbed at the end in the neck. And I mean, and she died, and that was like the main reason for the uh, the the main countess to die. And then she just yeah, like she was, was she supposed to be a ghost? Like I'm not uh, sure. I, I don't think she's supposed to be a ghost, but uh, but yeah, she was bleeding quite profusely. Yeah. Um, you know, maybe and, she, but then somehow she survived. Well, you know, maybe she had those. Maybe she. Maybe her vampire power. Maybe it was uh, she could heal herself too. We just didn't know that part. Maybe. So, she she said like the the thing that made the film interesting to her. Uh, was the question of you know who who would you want to live forever if you were an addict? So, but you know the film progressed. The powers that be rewrote the ending and decided that I wouldn't die. So that was the point. It says all the rules that we spent the entire film that Miriam lived forever and was indestructible, and all the people that she transformed eventually died, and that I got killed myself rather than being an addict were ignored. Suddenly, I was kind of living. She was kind of half dying. Nobody knew what was going on. And I thought that was a shame. So, you know. Yeah, yeah. like, I, I completely agree. Because yeah. the whole point of the end of this movie is that Susan Sarandon's character, Sarah, killed herself instead of wanting to be what Miriam was. Or yeah. what John was, I guess you could say. Um, 
So, but then they just decided that she survived and became a vampire, and now she's living in London with two other people. Yeah, two new new, new vampire companions. And I think what she means by addict <laughs> is like you know, like being an addict to that lifestyle. You know what I mean? To like you know, you know, well, hunting like and being, being a, a vampire. Yeah, right. Being yeah. a vampire, having to having to consume blood constantly. Yeah. So Bowie was excited to work on the film, but was concerned about the final product. He said, I must say, there's nothing that looks like it on the uh, the market, but I'm a bit worried that it's just uh, perversely bloody at some points. I was like, brother, you haven't seen. <laughs> just wait. <laughs> you want to see perversely just bloody. Just wait. <laughs> or, I mean, even though, I mean, this is 1983. I mean, you know, we'd already got Texas Chainsaw Massacre and... Uh, Last well, house on the left, and yeah, well, you know, there's I, actually, a lot more bloodier things well, he on, could have hold seen. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Listen, I, I don't think the last they didn't have that much blood in that movie. It was just fucked up. Yeah, well, we didn't see like well, rivers okay, of blood on the shit. You know what I mean? Like I'm talking about, like you know, fucking cannibal holocaust or something like that. You know, that's some blood. Well, I, I didn't even go that far. Yeah, I mean, that's just that's yeah. You know I, mean, I mean, that's just, like, perversely violent. Well, I'm saying, like, you know, we probably had some, you know, if they're watching some Italian shit, you know what I mean? There's some blood on there, even though it's all, like, super bright in your eye. Um, mm. But, you know, I could see around this time, you know, for this style of film, you know, I, you know especially if somebody from Europe, you know, you know how much they center everything. Yeah, you know, I could see he's, like, get, had a little concern with the blood on it. Because there was, you know, a pretty good amount of blood. Not a whole lot, but there was a pretty good amount. Yeah, and he's probably, I mean, Bowie, I don't know. I didn't know the guy, but he's probably not a horror movie aficionado anyway. Now, he seems more like a uh, um, psychedelic type of movies, you know what I yeah, mean? Yeah, yeah. Those RT right psychedelic stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Tony Scott had to say about the movie during the time, it says, Hollywood just hated that movie. They called it Erastic Artsy Fartsy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they're not wrong. I mean, it was it was pretty artsy. Fancy. It was pretty artsy. Well, the thing is, like, okay, so I think at the time this movie was coming out, like this genre wasn't as popular as it is like nowadays, or like even in the '90s. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. this actual genre of like goth and like '80s goth and like artsy '80s goth and stuff. I think it was like forming in the '80s. But it really didn't start getting going until like you know the '90s and stuff and the 2000s, you know. Um, but you know, like I'm pretty like you. You could show like any, like, you know, like gothic or like you know, dance. You know, like that kind of culture person. This movie, yeah. and they would fall in love with it. Like I could tell just at the opening scene and everything. I was like, okay, you know. And I actually thought everything was well acted and well done too. So you know, I mean, you know, I could see, I could do, I could definitely see why you know people were, you know, the the, the Hollywood people at, the, at this particular time were saying like, you know, what is this? Because it was something like new for the time of the way everything was shot and how everything was done, and you know, the way they they were moving and stuff. And <clears throat> yeah, it was, it was interesting. And the way it tells a story about. Like it has flashbacks, but they just kind of randomly happen. Yeah, that's true. Um, yeah, I mean, they, yeah, they kind of just like they're there. But you know, I think the 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 point of of what he was trying to show in this 
was to show you know more of like the the lust and romantic side of like the vampire story you know what yeah. i mean and it's also showing like the 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 more like gritty side of the the addict that you can become when you you know when you have you know, you live forever um you mm. know some, something that we talked a little bit about last week when we did our animated Vampire Hunter Ds, you know, some of these vampires that are like super old, you know, the biggest thing about them is they're bored. I mean, you, yes. you've done everything, you've seen everything, you've lived through centuries. You got to do things that entertain you. And that's when this, you know, this, uh, this, this countess that we have on this one, uh, Miriam, you know, she, I could tell that she's very similar to how our boy Marcus was in uh, Vampire Hunter D in some parts where, mm-hmm. you know, she's just bored and she has to have a companion. And, you know, and I think, like, I'm not sure this ever happened before, but, like, you know, most of the times what we've seen in films is when a vampire turns a person into a vampire, you know, that vampire can't die Unless, you know, sunlight or the, or the heart to this, you know, the stake to the heart and stuff. Like, these ones, like, they seem like they deteriorate over time. Well, <clears throat> yeah, so they don't ever really explain that in the movie unless I missed it. Yeah. So, like, they don't explain why Miriam lives forever. Well, okay, so they don't explain why she lives forever, but the people she turns will eventually start aging. Um, But... Why do they live so long and then start aging? Because she turns David Bowie into a vampire like 200 years before this. Yeah. So he goes 200 years as a vampire, then all of a sudden he starts aging like dramatically fast. Well, I mean... Like he becomes an old man in like one day. So they they did talk about that one disease. Was it... uh, um, I forgot the disease they were talking about. Like it was the one where like... You know, you could be like a young kid, but you age like you're 70 and shit. But that's a disease that people really have. What I'm talking about is like in the vampire lore of this movie. Yeah. Why Why does like David Bowie's character, John, live the same as stays the same age he was when she turned him for like 200 years? And then all of a sudden he starts getting old. I mean, the only thing I can think is maybe like in this universe, like she, cause remember she had like multiple lovers that were like in her little Gothic bird room. Well, yeah. And she had all the mummies, the, the mummies with her. Yeah. Did she just carry those with her? Yeah. And where she goes? Yeah, brother. You just put her in the basement. Okay. All right. Uh, (laughs) I'm guessing like maybe her vampire powers can only make people live for a while. And she tricks them all. She's just like, yeah, you're going to live forever, but until, like, you know, a couple centuries. So Right. Okay. Well. It's art, man. It's, it's art. It's Allison. art, man. Thank you. Just, it's okay. art. Come on now. So, you know, this, this film is actually, um, has inspired a couple of uh, uh, filmmakers out here. Uh, one of them I thought was uh, um, very fun, and it was the, uh, the showrunner, uh, Brian Fuller. Who he is the guy who actually made the uh, television series of Hannibal, you know, and yeah. and there was points in this movie where I'm like, okay, that guy stole this part from this movie. Um, just the way, like, Hannibal like moves around 
in that yeah. show yeah. is very similar to how like John and Miriam act in this movie. So I could tell like and then the way like the classical music's around there and just the way like they their presence are uh, on screen mm-hmm. is very very similar. So I thought that was cool. Um and of course there's also another one who cites this has a, a influence is a guy named Fred Berger. And he his, his, his he was influenced when he made this uh, gothic subculture zine uh propaganda which is actually a a gothic magazine. Okay. That came out there so he's a big uh, uh this is one of the films that really, you know, influenced him to we write the magazine the style of the magazine on there too, so it's kind of cool. Um, so apparently there was supposed to be a remake. Oh, where have we heard that before? Wow. I wonder who 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 would you get? Like you had to get like some sort of like you know you know you know sing, singer star on there, you know? Like who, you need who, to play the part of John? Yeah, like who who would be that like that nowadays? I couldn't even think. Like who's um, like a David Bowie guy like nowadays? Well, I mean, okay, so. You could do a couple of different things. You could you could gender role reverse it and make John's character female, and you could get Lady Gaga. Yeah, that's true. Or you could get Lady Gaga to play Miriam. Yeah, Lady Gaga to play Miriam would work. Yeah. The only guy I was thinking about you could you might be able to do the weekend. You know what I mean? Because he seems oh, like he's kind of like that'd be a good idea. Yeah, that'd he, be a good I don't idea. know what his acting is like, but he seems like he would like you know do okay in like you know this kind of like sub gothic style film you know something different from mm-hmm. right um but yeah that, that would be very interesting so you know but you know they, they've they been talking about you know doing this for like since 2009 um, right so yeah so i'm not sure if anything's ever gonna get me happening and stuff but they're 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 they're, they're trying all right yeah less remakes we don't need any more remakes come up with original ideas yeah so it, the last news we got was on 2021 where they came up with a new screenplay. But, you know, that's like Sweet. three years later. So I haven't heard anything about anything coming out. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, um, definitely very different and very fun uh, that this movie was. But uh, speaking of that, let, let's get into it, brother. Let's, get, let's into, get into it. Let's get into the hunger. Sarah Roberts is in jeopardy. Hey, lady. How about it? Stay with her. Help her. For she has begun to feel the awful horror of The Hunger. John Blaylock. The Hunger has given him everlasting life. Until now, pray for him. Miriam Blaylock. She feeds one day in seven on the unsuspecting. And soon she will turn into something that you will never be able to forget. No matter how hard and how long you try, fear her. What have you done to me? Forever and ever. And life signs terminate right here. beauty of Catherine Deneuve, the cruel elegance of David Bowie, the open sensuality of Susan Sarandon. 
combine to create a modern classic of perverse fear. Haunting, mysterious, sensual, strange, perverse, riveting. The hunger. So we started off, brother. Goth dance club everywhere. We got our boy Baja. He's just rocking away. All right, in a cage. He's got fucking hair. His fucking goth hair on. And they're singing. I was like, bro, when I turned this on, I was like, what? Did I? <laughs> At first, I was like, did I get the right thing? Is this like a music video? Like, what is going? Did I get the? Yeah. Well, the also the- you gotta consider too that um mtv had just started in 1983 i believe yeah so i'm sure that that was an influence that he just made he wanted to make this look like a music video because mtv was the most exciting thing in the world yeah at this time i did a great job like my first that was my first thought my first thought am i watching a music video and is this the sisters of mercy it it seemed like a sisters of mercy music video that i was watching um but we got we got this goth club all right, and this is when we see um, John and Miriam uh, Blaylock. That's the last name, Blaylock. Mm-hmm. They're out there. They see this couple dancing, and uh, you could tell, like, you know, this is what they're doing. They're hunting. All right, and I just thought this was so cool. Like, I just like, I just loved everything about this opening scene. They got the couple to come home with them, and then they would like cut, like they would cut to like, you know, like normal like stock music and then they would cut back yeah. to that Bajas guy and then they cut back and they cut back while he was like doing these crazy faces what's the singer's <laughs> name again from the Bajas what's his name Peter Murphy yeah Peter but that guy I mean shit bro he should have been in more movies man he was going he was just making these crazy faces in this dance club I was like damn this guy's wild um, yeah um, Peter Murphy was heavily influenced by David Bowie Bauhaus was heavily influenced by David Bowie oh, so, so he, I'm sure that oh, they yeah. jumped yeah I'm sure they jumped at the chance to be in this yeah he was probably having a ball then no wonder he was having so much fun on camera uh, so they get back to their house alright and uh, uh, John and Miriam they are like seducing the other couple you know doing some swinger action brother and I like the guy. He was wearing like the Terminator sunglasses. I was like, Man. yeah. <laughs> I was like, that's Kylo, brother. Yeah. This, gr- this movie starts off really hot. It does. It's like, man. Then it cools off a little bit. It does cool, cool off. Yeah. After this. Because <laughs> then they, they start like, you know, I thought we're going to have, I thought we're going to have to see some gothic sex on here, brother. Because they were just like, we got David Bowie over there seducing this girl, tits out and everything. We got this other girl humping on this guy. The next thing I know, they pull out some. Uh, they have like these, like, um, like what, what, what do you call that cross? It's it's a uh, an onk. An onk, yes. They have these onk yeah. crosses on them. You know, because the onk's supposed to you know, represent rep- represent eternal life. Yeah, I was gonna say that. it represents eternal life. Yes, and um, so they take those out and they stab him in the neck, which and- is ironic because that's the thing they use to kill them. Yes. It's not eternal life for you. It's just for, just for it's me. just for them. Yes. <laughs> so that's how they kill him and stuff. So you know, very hot opening scene over here. Um, and then they, we show him like you know, 
cleaning off the uh, the onks and everything. And this whole this whole story takes place in like New York City too. So you know, obviously, yes. very fun there. I like my notes over here that we have a goth shower. <laughs> I just put like goth. goth I love the goth shower. <laughs> so you know, there's just a bunch of stuff. You know, so this is when we we're kind of like meeting. Okay, so so during this too, which I thought I was bats at first. I guess my eyes are not working out, but apparently there's like this monkey that this girl named Sarah Roberts. She's kind of like a she is she's a, a she's a book writer, but she's also a scientist. And I guess she is uh, studying that disease where you, you age very rapidly. Well, she's studying aging and um, like she's studying aging in general. Yes, she's she's because um, she's trying to um, inject the monkey. I think she's injecting the monkeys with things that make them age prematurely. Yes. Um, and then the very beginning of it, you've got all these monkeys and then a monkey eats the other monkey. Yeah. So are we led to believe that somehow the two vampires, the, the Baylocks, while they're having sex and eating humans, that the monkeys can somehow feel their energy and that's why this one monkey attacked the other one? No. Um, I think that okay. it just so that's just your way of. Well, I think it was just it's in the movie because it's just disturbing goth shit. With this monkey eating the other monkey, but you know I what? think that that is a great it's shirt. A way to sex <laughs> disturbing goth shit. Yeah, that's the number one seller there, brother. All right, <laughs> yeah, the retro blood disturbing goth shit t-shirt. <laughs> Print it. Put it up in our store. Yeah, we need that one, man. That's that we don't sure. have. So apparently. Um, yeah. So the the, the 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 monkey was named Betty, right? And everybody's surprised that Probably she so. like bit bit it. And apparently, what were they saying that the monkey was like two thousand years old or something? I didn't. I don't remember that. Was, <laughs> I don't remember them saying it was two thousand old. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was like, okay. So anyway, the girl Sarah's and all pissed and stuff. She's like, you know what? This is some disturbing goth shit on here, brother. Okay, that's yeah, what she was saying. disturbing goth shit. So, so now, like, so we, we see that the, the Sarah, like we we're telling us, she is like the scientist, she's selling a book and she's, she's studying this like disease, this, this aging disease. And we could also see that, um, uh, Miriam, the, 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 I call her the countess, but you know, I could be wrong, but she's sure. Miriam Blaylock. She's like the main vampire girl. Um, yeah. She's actually very interested in this newscast that she's doing, and mm-hmm. this is also too when we're seeing John. He is like, um, he's talking about like how he's feeling a little different, you know. And you can notice like his hair is falling out and stuff like that too. Um, then this girl, mm-hmm. this like a teenage girl, comes over. Her name is Alice, and the big thing about these Blaylocks, they they're like classical music teachers, so they're they're gothic. Uh, uh, ragers killing hunters at night, and they're classy, go- uh, classical people during the day. So, right, and exactly. I don't know if you about you, Alsa, but I realized right away. You know, so you know, there's a lot of like different like vampire lore that this movie mm-hmm. like didn't like care about. Like, first of all, right, like these vampires, they don't need to sleep at like the daytime. 
you know, or, or no, they're out in the daytime in parts of it. Yeah, they're like out in the daytime. Um, Alice takes pictures of them, and they show up in pictures yeah. too. So okay, but aren't every isn't just about everything we know about vampires? All the vampire lore we have comes from Dracula, though, right? Yes, I would assume so. Yes, Bram Stoker, I'm pretty sure invented every single one of those things. I don't think those are vampire traditional vampire like eastern european vampire stories so like the fact that they don't appear in mirrors i don't think is uh i don't think is is traditional or to be able to take pictures of them or having to sleep in earth in the daytime yeah i don't i think i'm pretty sure everything we know about vampires came from dracula so these are more like classical classic uh vampires if you will yeah makes sense so the big thing is um Mary she so we find out that she kind of like knows that all her yeah. lovers throughout the years like like deteriorate. Yeah, cuz she's got them all in a box. Yeah. So like and they're all mummies. So yeah, so but you know cuz we see the flashback of her saying forever. Everything's forever. Are you going to be with me forever? Everything uh, was this twilight. Everything is forever. Okay. Yeah, but what she doesn't tell you is yes. that part of that forever, you're going to be in a box. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but by the way, this forever, you're going to like deteriorate and we're going to put you in a box for a bunch of birds. By the way, that's where you're going. Well, you'll be in there forever. Yeah, but forever. That's it technically it's forever. <laughs> technically, she's right. So, so she, I guess because she is now, I think she wants to like pick the brain of the Sarah. So she goes out and look <clears> for her. And then she starts talking to like the, the blood doctor. Mm-hmm. And she's talking to the blood doctor about like you know cells and how they do everything, and she's just trying to get some more information from this. And this is also too when we see that John, like basically he, you know, he he kind of confronts Miriam. He's like, hey, you know, like my hair's falling out. You know, like I have this picture that Alice took of us. I look thirty here. I don't look thirty anymore. I'm supposed to be young. Uh, you know, like it was kind of weird because, like, at first he seemed like he knew what's gonna happen. He was kind of like, you know, what are you gonna do about when I'm gone? Like, who, 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 who's your next person? Is it gonna be Alice? Like, he, she thought like she was gonna turn Alice and stuff, and he's getting pissed off because he doesn't know who else is gonna like take his place. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was a little bit confused about this too because at first I thought that the reason. Like, I thought that Miriam was interested in Sarah because she was trying to find a cure for whatever's wrong with John. Yeah. But the, then I think she just just liked Sarah and wanted to replace John with Sarah. Well, you know, like I that think, was her plan all along. I Not, think it didn't just happen. Yeah. And like, you know, I think, you know, John, he's, he's kind of like stuck to he was kind of thinking like, you know, like, I want to still I want to be with this girl. You know, Mary, I want to be mm-hmm. with there forever because you know, like, like he 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 was all in for the whole forever stuff. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. And now he's turning and stuff, and maybe he thought like, okay, well, I'm gonna go see the Sarah girl, and maybe she knows of some sort of new blood treatment that can like keep me alive. You know, mm-hmm. so you know he goes to the hospital to go visit her, and of course the girl blows him off. She's like, oh oh, just wait 15 minutes, and uh, and I'll go see you. And then, like, Sarah's, yeah, like, she talking. Lied. She lied because she was talking to, I believe it might have been Tom, like, her her not husband, but I'm going to st- mm. love her guy. 
Yeah, sure. Like I, oh, I mean, they, maybe they're dating. You know, whatever. Yeah, I think they they were in some kind of relationship yeah. for sure. But they they weren't like husband or wife or anything. But they were no, like no, no, they no, were no, definitely no. dating. They were living together. Um, she was like, hey, you know, I got that some crazy down there. Just like just like let him wait around for like two hours. He'll go away. And then like you know we can slowly see over time like at a fast rate that that John is like turning into old. And at the same time. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sarah is doing that treatment with that monkey and he's turning super old too at the same time yeah. so so then like John after waiting around for like hours and hours and hours he confronts her and Sarah sees that he turned old as shit and she's like well wait a minute whoa whoa this is actually happening in real life this is like a human she, like, she wants to like test him and he's like no you go wait around the room and he's all pissed off and I was like you go wait around there alright fuck you bitch all right? fuck you so, so now, you know, like the 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 relationship between <laughs> Miriam and John is not doing so well because John is turning into an old, decrepit man. Okay, and Miriam, she's not all about that, brother. She wants that new, hot, fresh thing. All right. Yep. So, um, this is one scene where uh, Miriam's out and. Alice comes over and she was going to tell him like, Hey, you know, I was just going to tell John and, and Miriam that I'm going to be out for, for my, for my, uh, my lessons. I'm not this day. I want to leave her a note. And she can't tell that it's John because John, he's super old right now. And his voice has changed too. So he sounds like an old man. And he eventually lets Alice in and mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're talking and everything. And Alice thinks like, hey, you know, you look a lot like John. You're sure he's not his, you're not his dad? He's like, no, 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 I'm just a friend. He's just a friend. <laughs> and then he like he convinces her to um, play a little bit like classical music for him. Mm-hmm. All right? And then out of nowhere, this guy just fucking kills her. <laughs> I was like, oh, shit. Okay. There you go. Um, And I thought like... I'm not sure about you, Austin, but I was watching this scene. I thought he was, like, killing her to maybe, like, drink the blood so maybe he can turn young again. But that doesn't really work. No, no, that doesn't really work in this universe. So I'm guessing he maybe he did it out of spite because maybe he felt like, maybe he maybe in his mind he thought, like, Marion was going to take Alice as the new hot, you know, fresh person. And maybe that's right. why he killed her, so she wouldn't have him. So... That's the only thing I could think of. I mean, it could be, yeah. I mean, the, the addict part of it is like they're they're drinking blood because they have to drink it. It doesn't make them young again. Yeah, they're just addicted to it, essentially. Yeah. So. So yeah, that part was pretty pretty crazy. And then of course, ma'am, she comes home, and she sees John like he is by like a hundred years old, and he, and John was yeah. like, "You said forever." She's like, oh shit! Why didn't really mean that long? <laughs> I didn't really, I didn't really think we'd be together this long. <laughs> and then, like, he's like, "Can't you just kiss me and kiss me like I was?" And she tries. She's like, "I just can't do it." And he's like, "Oh!" And then he like fucking John like passes out, and she like grabs him and stuff because she got like super strength. And she's like singing like this gothic lullaby of like yeah. going into darkness and everything. And then she brings him to her. Bird dove gothic tomb storage unit. Okay. Yeah. And then locks his ass in a box. 
Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and like this is when we yeah. find out that she has like multiple people she she kept down there throughout ages. Yeah. Yeah, what, so. so did John like not wonder who these people were? Well, maybe he never got invited to the room, Allison. Maybe, maybe he was. Maybe he never saw the. Oh, room you know, that's another thing. Years that's another thing. moving around the world. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's another thing. They, these vampires don't need to be invited in anywhere. They just show on up. No, that's that. Yeah, that's that's not a real thing. Yeah, that's vampires thing. can just go in anywhere. So while this is happening, you know, there's a bunch of cool music and slow scenes there's a lot of scenes too there like i was saying at the beginning there's a lot of scenes of the 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 uh Miriam. She, she's just standing around smoking everywhere it kind of reminded oh, yeah, me of constantly. like a it kind of reminded me of a perfume commercial yeah. <laughs> well i mean well i mean Miriam's played yeah. by catherine Deneuve, and she's yeah. french and the french smoke all the time oh yeah that's the thing brother yeah so sarah friends. she comes on by and she wants to talk to to john because like she wants to apologize for for not taking him seriously about what his condition is, mm-hmm. and I like Miriam. She's all like, "Well, he he's in Switzerland," <laughs> and she's like, "Wow, that was quick. <laughs> I just saw him like a like a day ago. <laughs> Strangely, I just saw him yesterday, yeah. and now he's in Switzerland." So she's like, "Come on in and everything." And then they, this scene That's was just like, it just sounds like an excuse. <laughs> I don't know, right, it just yeah. it just sounds like an excuse. Like, yeah. oh no, he's uh, he's in Switzerland. Yeah, he's like, in Switzerland, really? bro. He has okay. business down there. Yeah, right. he's, he's deteriorating right. to 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 be an old man, but he still has time to get that Swiss chocolate, brother. Okay, come on. <laughs> and uh, Bowie is never in the movie again after this, right? No, that's it. Yeah, yeah, he's done. Once so he's, he's in the movie for like twenty minutes. Yeah, once he's an old man, he's in the casket. When he did you see his pants like wet his pants too? Like once he's in there, yeah. brother, he's gone. He's on out of there. Yep, he got his paycheck. All right, so this is when we get the. Um, so Sarah is now. This is this, I couldn't tell. So something about this too, like I couldn't tell if it was Miriam doing her vampire. You know, you know, like a lot of vampires have that. Um, they can get a lot of people to fall in love with them. You know, like yeah. The, I couldn't tell if she was doing that to Sarah or Sarah was just like feeling her. On her own. No, I think Sarah's just feeling her. Okay. Because, so, you know, maybe that maybe our boy Tom ain't getting her a good enough pipe. You know what I mean? She has to go for something else, brother. She's more classy like that. All right. So she, I thought, I thought Sarah was doing most of the flirting in this. You know what I mean? Like, she was, like, asking all these questions. She's like, man, you're so mysterious yeah. and everything. And, like, you know, what do you do for work and everything? And, you know, she's like, yeah, you could just kind of do your own schedule, have your own party. Like, she was very envious of uh, of our of our vamp girl over here. And, um, you know, they're, they're playing piano and everything, and she eventually spills some wine on her shirt. All right, yeah. she's like, oh, I'm going to go. And I like this. She's like, oldest oh, trick in the book. Oldest trick in the book, brother. And then Miriam's like, oh, she's like, oh, man, let me go wash up. And Mary's like, you can just take it off. And the girl's like, oh, is that an invitation? Oh, it's going to be that like, kind of party. I'm like, what's going on over here, brother? And the next <laughs> day I know, we take off some shirts, brother, and they just start kissing up. And then we get some goth, vampire, lesbian action going on here. Yeah, it gets really hot again. I was like, okay, let's get, let's, okay, this is where we're going. All right. Yeah, this is where this is where we are. And, we're already here. We're yeah, we're ninety miles an hour. And I thought this was pretty creative because it's like, okay, you know what? Like we know, like, like 
you know, like the the only time I could think that there they could be possible like you know like lesbian vampires around this time is like maybe interview with the vampire but you know that is a thing with the uh the the culture of the vampires like the vampires are not just like you know ace you know they they just don't like one sec they like everything brother you know, the van- you know most vampires that we've seen they'll have sex with guys girls and fucking you know maybe bats too brother they don't care Maybe, so. yeah. Uh, well, that's definitely a part of like interview with the vampire, the Anne Rice. Yeah. So, the Anne Rice vampires in the novels are are kind of they're not really sexual. Like they're like kind of asexual, and they'll they'll you know kind of bite and attack anyone, um, which is different than they're portrayed in the movie. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, so I don't know. I mean. This is definitely not the first lesbian vampire movie. I mean, Vampires Lesbos was before this. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the, some of the Hammer films, uh, Vampire Lovers had lesbian vampires in it. But uh, yeah, so we definitely have this now, though. Um, we have uh, Ka- Catherine Deneuve and Susan Sarandon um, and hot lesbian vampire action. <laughs> there you go. Hot lesbian vampire action, brother. Stamp it on. So they're, yep. get, they're getting it going. And. So Marister starts biting her, all right. Yeah, and then we like we cut to like the blood cells. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We're cutting that, cutting out that, uh, that uh, stock footage in there. Yeah, I thought that was pretty cool. And then, then we see that Sarah's now she's sucking on the arm of the mirror. She's just so in, in, enhanced with everything. So, and then after this, we cut right to her cutting a steak. <laughs> so that was that was a good little cutscene. I was about to say, yeah. I thought that looked great. Like where she's like sucking the blood and then they're like cutting a steak in the next yeah. scene. I mean, Tony Scott, I mean, you could tell that guy was going to be, a, he's a great director. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, for a first film, especially this oh, is yeah. fantastic. Yeah. I mean the whole, like the whole cinematography in this movie looked great. Mm-hmm. Um, Absolutely. So this is when they're at the dinner table, her and Tom and you know, Tom just noticing that she's acting a little different. She's like, well, fuck. I like, I like this line. He's like, well, you you're the one that ordered the steak super rare. All right. And then you you turn yes. down the clam what do you say, the clam chowder? You turn down the clam chowder. No, like, like I think she, she I think you just said clams. They had ordered clams and she sent the clams back because yeah. she wasn't hungry because she only wants blood now. Yeah. And it's all like <laughs> it's like, you know, you're being a little different. You know, I just you're just acting a little weird. She's like, Well, you know, what do you mean by that? All right. And, you know, they're going back and forth. And she's like, you know, you haven't been, you know, I know you went to that girl uh, Blaylock's house. Like, why are you there for three hours? Like, what, what, what yeah. possibly? Do you what have were to you tell? doing? Yeah, what are you doing for three hours, brother? Are you, what possibly do you have to tell a stranger for three hours? This guy must be like the most boring fuck in the world. Like, oh, yeah, had to be. I mean, like, I went out to, for di- to dinner with a friend of mine last night, and we talked for three hours, like. I mean, like, I think three hours is a, is a good conversation time. But hold on. He, he wasn't a friend, though. It was just some stranger. Well, okay. But uh, all right. He's an true. interesting stranger. An interesting, right. But uh, that's what, that's yeah, what, uh, that's that's what Sarah was trying to say. It's like, well, she just, you know, her husband's in, in, in Switzerland, you know, mm. sucking on that Switzerland chocolate. And yes. she was a lonely old lady. I was just talking to her about life stuff. And he was all like, you yeah. know what? He's like, there's just something different and weird about you lately. I think he's like, you know what? 
You're not going to like what I'm going to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway. You know what it is? I think you need to see a doctor. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, come on, bro. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And she's like, like you, like you can't figure out that, that your, your, uh, you know, your, uh, your girlfriend is like not into you. She's into like hot lesbian goth action, brother. That's what she's into. Yeah. She's into uh, Uh vampire goth girls now. Yeah. You've been replaced, Tom. Right. You've been replaced, Tom. <laughs> so uh, you and your creepy mustache. So I also like this part. So so they they have uh, Sarah go get her blood checked, right? Yeah. From that blood doctor guy. The the the, the black dude. Yeah, the right? black dude. He's the blood doctor, right? The guy that's constantly wearing sunglasses. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And like all his things are about blood. <laughs> like I don't do anything else but but to tell you about blood. That's all. That's why I'm here. All right. And like great. he he knew like every little thing about blood. It's like yeah, blood will make you do this. Blood blood's the that blood's how we can ch- tell if you're healthy and not everything. I was like, all right, man. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, he's a blood expert. Yeah. And uh, this- but yeah, I thought that was cool yeah. how they showed like uh, he's like yeah, it's like one of them. One of these things is not human. And he's like yeah. you know, and the, it shows like the blood cells fighting each other, kind of yeah. or whatever. That was cool. And, and then like Tom freaks out like, what do you mean it's not human? How the hell did you get that? <laughs> <laughs> it's like it's he's like the guy who's just like figuring out that his girlfriend is really interested in somebody else. Like, How did that happen? Exactly. It's like what? What's going on? You went to this man got some alien blood without me? What the hell? It's like you spent three hours talking to this stranger and now yeah. you got alien blood in you. It's like I only get you for ten seconds a night, and you went to this girl's house <laughs> for three hours, brother. Oh, I did, I forgot to tell you. T- so like while they're having dinner. Like, I don't know if you know, were they having a dinner at like a YMCA or something? Because there was like these two random chicks like swimming. Uh, I was going to ask you about this. Like, what the fuck is going Where are, where are they eating Bro, at? Where are they eating like, at? So, what is this? They're like, they're like ordering like clams and rare steaks. Yeah. And then like out right beside that, there's a swimming pool where people are swimming naked. We forgot to mention that. Bro. Like all the girls are swimming naked. As, yeah. Or she's imagining that, right? They're not really naked. No, the, the one was in a bathing suit, but they were like we saw them right. Right, I don't know if she was imagining in it or if there's they're, they're eating at some sort of fancy classic YMCA or something. Like what what restaurant you can order like fancy steak and then there's like a swimming pool in there. <laughs> no, there's definitely a swimming pool there. She's not imagining that, but there yeah. is nudity in that scene. But like I don't like yeah, there's like this. We I forgot to till you brought it up. I forgot about that. There's a swimming pool where people are swimming. Right beside where they're having dinner. Like, I don't know. Maybe it's a thing I just don't know about. But it was fuck. It seemed fucking weird. I mean, maybe a hotel or something. I have no idea. And it's like right <laughs> there. Like, it's right where people yeah. are having dinner. So they could just literally just look down and see these people swimming. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so Sarah now finds out that she has alien goth blood in her now. Right. Okay. So now she's pissed. So she comes and she talks to Miriam about like, hey, you know, I got the, uh, you know, she also everybody knows that she has some bite marks on her too, and on her arm, on her yeah. arm. What happened? Yeah. They asked her what happened here, like, and she's know. she's like, I don't know, and he's he's like, you don't know what happened. To that it looks like she has fucking gangrene on her arm. <laughs> like you don't even wonder what this is. It's a spider bite, brother. I tell it's you, it's a spider bite. Yeah, <laughs> I got it at the goth clip. But <laughs> I got at the goth club. Sorry. So she goes. She goes and talks to Marion about you know like hey you know what the hell happened last night. You know what I mean? Like, and eventually Marion's like you know because like, she's Sarah's starting to feel a little sick too. 
And mm-hmm. Marion's like, okay, well, you know, you're, you're going to feel sick for a little while. Like, you know, basically what happened is, you know, we're, we're going to be forever and you're, you're going to be, you know, me and I'm going to be you now. And Sarah, yeah. and Sarah was like, oh, what the fuck? <laughs> All right. What the fuck does that even mean? Yeah. So there is like these like scenes where like Sarah is, I guess she's kind of like in a trance a little bit mm-hmm. with the, uh, the Mary, you know, which makes sense because she's, you know, going to be slowly turning into like some sort of, you know, vampire creature now mm. <clears throat> and you know the the whole thing is you know, marion wants to teach her how to uh how to hunt now she's like hey you know you, you're gonna leave right now but you're gonna be back because you're gonna need my help with feeding yeah okay and this is when we get uh the detective comes by who is yeah. super useless in this book and movie he's only like in two <laughs> scenes <laughs> I forgot what yeah. was a detective, but yeah, there yeah. is, isn't there? And like he comes by and he, he's asking about Alice, and Miriam's like, "I haven't seen Alice and stuff. She hasn't come by here and everything." And and he's like, "Okay, well, if you if you see anything, let me know." Then they start talking about New York and how you know dark it could be, but it's a nice day. There's like this weird like scene of like Miriam almost getting hit by a truck mm-hmm. or something. And, you know, the big thing is we're, you know, then we have some more scenes with uh, uh, Tom, uh, you know, trying to, you know, get to the bottom of what's going on with Sarah. You know, she's basically, you know, telling her to go to this doctor. Yeah. And and kind of get get her mind right and, you know, and see. And eventually Sarah kind of like just escapes and she goes back to to Miriam. Because she needs to learn how to like you know feed, you mm-hmm. know. So they, I, I, this is all like kind of like really quick cutscenes and stuff. But basically, yes. they they we see that they're kind of like going out on town, and then they pick up like this fucking like eighties like suit guy and stuff on there, and he's all like, "Yeah, bro, this scene was like weird because they they get back to the house right, and." <clears throat> This house, I guess it's a couple. Yeah, this house is a couple stories. I, yeah, I thought it was like a townhouse where you yeah. had like a, which was kind of like an apartment with two floors. It was kind of yeah. like you had, uh, you know, you your entrance level, and then you had an upstairs where you where your bedroom stuff is. I guess. Yeah, and like the thing is, like you know, it's also decorated in all this old, you know, stuff because you know, obviously the Mary girl, she's an old vampire, so a lot of this stuff yeah. is just kept throughout her life you know that from different centuries sure and but this dude's like hanging out right like mm-hmm. and like all sarah's upstairs she's basically about the she looks like she's dying okay because you know obviously she's she's going through her transformation of her blood getting take over taken over by the vampire and i think Miriam, she's trying to she got like, this guy there brought to the house so they could feed on him all right yeah and there's just this whole long scene of him just like getting a drink and walking around wondering where all the girls are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. So yeah. you're telling me you just show up at this creepy goth house, the girls go upstairs, and you're just waiting around for like f- an hour or something, and he just starts wandering around for the girls to show. Yeah, up. and then they just kill him in the elevator. <laughs> yep. <laughs> like, okay, that was quick. And uh, and then during this time, like, you know. Sarah, she eventually, uh, 
I think she 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 feeds on the guy. All right, and then mm-hmm. she wakes up the next morning with blood on blood on, blood on her and stuff, and she's starting to you know feel obviously more more getting to the to the point where she's feeling more alive and everything. Um. And this is when Marion was like, you know, saying like, you know, same thing. You know, her her big thing is like, you know, everything we're gonna be together forever. We're gonna last forever. Everything's gonna be fine and stuff together. And you can kind of tell like Sarah's like into it, but she's not too into it. Uh, but she she wants to go uh, out and uh, uh, phone, um, like Tom and stuff. But she can't get a hold of anybody. Like she's like out there and she's kind of like d- delirious a little bit out there mm-hmm. um this is actually a scene where she's like in the phone booth she's trying to like call but the calls are not going through and this is also when you see that william defoe for a little bit like not even yeah. say anything he just shows up william defoe. Was yeah it just like shows up and i the, the the guy is like you some sort of junkie or something and she just goes away <laughs> and everything and uh so the big thing is to you know tom is like calling around too and he he mm-hmm. was he was he calls you know her doctor and the doctor's like i don't know where she's at and everything and tom's like well fuck i'm just gonna come to the that Miriam girl's house because after so how does mm-hmm. how does he know where she lives well um uh i i'm pretty sure maybe the sarah told him maybe he looked it up in the phone book allison that's what it was oh, he looked up i knew you'd come up with some kfab he, he, he looked like answer, yeah but. he looked at some blaylock <laughs> There's only, there's only one Blaylock in the phone book, brother. And I'm going to find the, yeah, uh, the townhouse. Okay. All right. All right. All yeah, right oh, that all makes right. sense because you can look up Blaylock and we could remember they had, they run their own business out of their house, that classical music stuff. So it makes sense. Oh, that's true. They teach, I forgot they teach music. So yeah, yeah, that could be it. So Sarah, you know, obviously she went back to the house after being all delirious and stuff because, you know, yeah. obviously, you know, you know, she also been given the, 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 oh, she also got given that necklace too, the, the cross necklace yes. as well. We forgot yeah. to mention that, because uh, you know you could tell that Sarah, you know she's like it's like half right now. Like we could see that her character is also half. Half of her doesn't want to do this, but the half of her does want to do this because obviously the the mm-hmm. half of the vampires one's taking over. So Tom comes by, mm-hmm. all right, and he wants to see where you know where where is Sarah and everything, and Miriam lets them all in to the house, and. They uh, they started talking and he's like, hey, you know, have you? I I, I try to call her doctor. And everything, I'm just not sure. Like, I know she came by here like a couple of days ago. I just want to know if you heard about anything from her. And then Miriam's like, yeah, she's upstairs. He's like, what? Like, what the hell is she upstairs and stuff? Like, he's just like, you know, so shocked that she would even be here. Like, since this girl's so new. Like, he only met this girl like two days ago. You know what I mean? Yeah. Sarah did. So he goes upstairs. Um, he sees Sarah, she's all like fucking shivering and everything. He puts a Yeah, she's all like going you know, through withdrawals or withdrawals whatever. and everything, puts a sheet on her and everything. And next thing you know, boom, she cuts fucking Tom in the neck and starts biting his ass. Yeah, fucking dumbass. Killing his ass. Alright. So then after she did her first kill on her own. Yep. Okay. She comes down, more blood on her. Right. Yeah, that's this is the scene where she uh, she's wearing like the little t shirt and her underwear, yeah. and then yeah. she's like got blood running down her mouth and her neck. That was hot. Yeah, I was like, damn, this girl. She's I, you know, I thought she was like, okay, we're gonna have some vampire team up here now, all yeah. right? And they're talking about being together, 
You know what I mean? You're finally coming around and everything. And so, like, they start, like, kissing with the blood all in them mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And I was like, yeah, yeah. buddy, let's go. And then, yeah, out of, was, yeah. and then out of nowhere, she stabs, Sarah stabs herself in the neck. And then I know. It kind of came out of nowhere, right? Like, so they're starting to, like, well, know, it makes pull sense. around again. Well, it does make sense. But then she's all of a sudden, like, stabs herself in the neck with the onk knife. Yeah. Yes. And then all the blood comes out, and, and of course, man, she's all freaking out and everything. And, you know, the reason that I'm guessing why Sarah killed her is because she didn't want to, uh, she didn't want to live that lifestyle. Like, she, she, right. she killed Tom, you know what I mean? She knows that she's going to, you know, if she lets this whole transformation happen, you know, obviously she's going to come into this, you know, blood-sucking killer, like a vampire, you know, mm-hmm. obviously. And she was like, well, fuck it, well, maybe before the whole transformation comes through... I'll just kill myself. Yeah, exactly. But somehow this morphs into her killing herself, right? And like the blood's like spilling on Miriam and stuff. And Miriam like I brings, thought she made Miriam drink her blood. Yeah, drink her blood, yes. Yeah. And I guess because of this happened, the there's a couple of things that happened. So that happens. And then all the skeleton decayed ex lovers, yeah, they all, they I call all, them mummies. the mummies, they all wake up from their goth tombs. Yeah. So, like, why does this happen? We don't know. Because it's, it's weird goth shit. <laughs> right. It's just weird goth shit. Yeah. All right. So they, they all wake up. And I guess now, maybe because like uh, the, the her powers, Miriam's powers are going downhill or something i don't know but they i all, guess they all wake up and they all freak her out because they're all saying like all these ones are saying forever forever she's like oh how do you mean that long <laughs> okay and they make her like trip and she goes like falling down the stairs mm-hmm. like you know like uh, it's still like a, a super flight down there and i was just thinking like when i was watching i was like you know how many like 80s like horror movie deaths or people just falling down the staircases there has to be like a record uh, yeah good amount be, probably a few yeah so she falls down and then she eventually turns like old herself yeah weird so i'm guess maybe because like like there was still some human blood left in sarah that that is like that well, i don't I, I really don't i don't know maybe because she broke the cycle because they drink human blood all the time so why would that make her turn old i don't know none of this makes any sense so I mean, well the problem is allison we're not artsy enough to figure out why we're not, right we're not artsy enough to understand it yeah <laughs> okay i got i got it i got it i got it i got it okay so sarah she broke the cycle Okay, so this okay, girl, yeah. Marion Blaylock, she has like a fucking cycle where she has to have a lover. Maybe if she doesn't have a lover, her powers go like a little, like, you know, they get like a little less. And then all her dead lovers can come up and turn into zombies when she doesn't have an actual, like, heir or like a lover heir. Mm, sure. It's good enough. That's as good a reason <clears throat> as we got. For good enough, movie. brother. So now she turns to Fair old enough. dead ashes and shit. Uh, then we cut to the uh, detective walking in, and she sees mm-hmm. a random guy. He's like, oh, hey, I'm the detective. I'm looking for Miriam. She's like, oh, I'm not sure who that is. I'm trying to sell this place. We got a person upstairs. And he's like, oh, that's kind of weird. She's like, yeah, 
uh, we're gonna sell this place and all the stuff that was in here. They, we got it got donated to a to a, a museum. <laughs> I was like, okay. And then these guys like kind of like looking around confused. And then we cut to the new homeowners. And then we see in this gothic looking sheet, Sarah's there. She kisses the wife of the the homeowners. And then she just stares off into New York airspace. No, 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 no. Um, so they're, she's living somewhere else. That's not New York. That's not New York. So I'm pretty sure. I know. I'm pretty sure that it, the, the <clears throat> scene where they're, um, no, no, I'm pretty sure that the scene where they're selling the home obviously is in New York because that's where it took place. But then the scene that they, they that Susan Saran is talking about that they added to the movie is her and she's in a, she's in like London or somewhere. No, oh. and then she's walking on the balcony with two new companions. So it just oh. kind of it just kind of cross fades into that, I believe. So somehow she survived. Yeah, she survived somehow. Maybe, maybe that's why they're saying it. That's why she's saying it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Maybe she didn't hit an artery. Maybe. You know what I mean? Although there was a lot of blood. Well, you know. She drank a little bit, you know what I mean? Now, is she the new countess, maybe? That's what it I guess it's implying, mm. yeah. There you go. And then of course she she now she's keeping Miriam in a box. I guess so. Yes. That's the one I was saying no in the box at the end. So yeah, which is kind of weird because she didn't even want to. She 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 so didn't want to be this thing that she yeah. was going to kill herself. But then somehow she just embraces being this thing. Yeah, yeah, like 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 it doesn't make any sense. The ending that tacked on ending doesn't make any sense. <clears throat> but the rest of it's pretty good. First of all, Allison, you you're not too artsy. I get everything about what just happened. Okay. Right. Okay. I'm not artsy enough. You know what I mean? See, what I'm happened not, was Sarah. You're probably right about that. All right. She, you know, she said she didn't want to be a vampire or she killed herself, mm-hmm. but she only did that to trick the, oh, the right. countess. And then she turned herself into a vampire to live a gothic lifestyle. Of course. Without Tom. Because fuck that guy. But yeah, you know, I like, I enjoyed this film. And all jokes aside, I thought it was pretty, uh, Pretty cool. You know, very different take on vampires. Um, but I enjoyed it. I thought it was pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, I did. I did like it pretty good. Uh, one scene that we didn't talk about that I thought was cool, uh, special effect-wise, was the scene where it shows the monkey aging. Yes. Um, and then it kind of rots on camera. And that they used stop, I'm sure they used stop-motion animation to do that. I thought that looked really good. Yes, that was pretty good. But yeah, I mean, uh, and you know, also too, some of the uh, when the when the people were turning old, some of their faces looked pretty good too. Yeah, because Dick Smith did the uh, makeup for this, so and he's he's pretty good. Yeah, buddy. But yeah, everybody, that was the hunger. Check it all out if you can. Pretty cool movie. Uh, but we will be moving on for our Vampire yeah. Month over here on the Retro Blood. Because up next, we're going to start doing some dancing Mm-mm. for Allison and everybody. Because we're going to go Dance of the Damned. Dance of the Damned. You ever seen this one be before f- or no? I have not. 1989, Death, uh, Dance of the Damned. This is going to be uh, another pro- uh, pro- uh, Roger Corman produced <clears throat> movie. So this will be uh, fantastic straight to video goodness. There you go, brother. Can't wait to see it. <clears throat> of course, everybody can watch it off Tubi. That's probably what we'll be watching it off of. 
Uh, apparently, we got some strippers on here, too. So, let's go, brother. You know, I'm let's ready go. for that. And then, of course, we're going to finish off the month with a, uh, pretty, a movie I've been pretty excited about watching for some time. Because I've actually never seen it, even though it's a very popular movie. And that was going to be one, Fright Night. Yep. It's going to be awesome. The Fright Night. Finish it off with a classic. And, of course, if we have some time... Because, you know, our time is very valuable here on the Retro Blood. Me and Allison yep. are thinking about coming back on the lights out on Thanksgiving, talking wait, my... Thanksgiving? No, wait, did I say Thanksgiving? I said my... I mean, <laughs> Valentine's Day. <laughs> on Valentine's Day. By the way, I got the uh, um, I got the Thanksgiving uh, 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 Blu-ray in the mail. Oh, did you? I didn't yeah. know it was out already, so that's cool. Yeah, like, yeah, it has a bunch of extras on it and shit. Like, I, I want to see these extras because, like, you know, when we were talking about that Lights Out review of Thanksgiving, like, I, you know, why, just, I, I'm very interested to see about the uncut stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah, so maybe, yeah me uh, too. Maybe I'll talk a little bit about that. Maybe on the Lights Out, because we're thinking about coming back for Valentine's Day and talking My Bloody Valentine 3D. So maybe yeah if we have enough time we'll see but um but you know you guys could check out my bloody valentine that we actually did a couple years back on the retro blood very fun movie um some super cool stuff but yeah come join us here next week for dance of the damned and of course we'll finish out this vampire month with fright night so but allison what should we play for everybody heading on out of here uh you want to play some um Bauhaus, or you want to play some David Bowie? Actually, let's do the Bauhaus one. Let's do the the the, the movie they did for Della De, De dead. Let's let's do that. <laughs> Bella Lugosi's dead. Bella Lugosi's, yeah, brother. <laughs> On the way out, uh, Bella Lugosi's dead by Bauhaus. Let's Playing do it, brother. Because you know, I mean, like they're in the movie. You know what I mean? Vamping all yeah. up and stuff. You know what I mean? You got your got your goth wild stuff happening. You know what I mean? You got you got you got to play some good shit like this. So. Absolutely, we do. But everybody, James Klein, Jay Austin, we will see you here next week on the Retro Blast. Yeah, see you guys.
Bella Lugos is dead. 